I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today's reading is Genesis chapters 25 and 26. In Genesis chapter 25, we see that Abraham remarries at 136 years old. The first 11 verses of chapter 25, verse 1. Then again Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And she bare him Zimran, and Jokshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shuah. And Jokshan begat Sheba, and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Ashurim, and Latushim, and Laumim. And the sons of Midian, Ephah, and Epher, and Hanuk, and Abida, and Eldaah. All these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. But unto the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son, while he yet lived eastward into the east country. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, in hundred, threescore, and fifteen years. Then Abraham gave up the ghost, and died in a good old age, an old man, and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, which is before Mamre. The field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried, and Sarah his wife. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt by the well Lahiroi. The facts of this passage are disputed by Bible students. Some maintain that Keturah became Abraham's wife while Sarah was still living, years and years before her death. They maintain that she was one of his concubines, Keturah. The question lies in whether or not verse 1 is intended to be understood to have taken place chronologically after the events from the preceding chapters. It is true the Hebrew text of verse 1 is not really definite on this issue. could be either way. Verse 1 says, Then again Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. That verse immediately follows verse 67 of the previous chapter regarding Sarah's death. Let's face it, Abraham was an unusual man. He was 136 years old when Sarah died. Perhaps he did start another family with Keturah after Sarah's death, and then he lived to be 175 years old. Go, Abraham. So how long did Abraham grieve Sarah's death before he remarried? You know, people always ask questions like that. Maybe he took some time, but at 136, he must have felt he didn't have any time to waste. Take a look at the size of his family through Keturah. God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 and 5, that as part of his covenant with him, he would be the father of many nations. Indeed, that is so. The inheritance, however, he leaves only to Isaac, and the seed blessings are fulfilled through Isaac and only Isaac. We see that in Genesis chapter 21, verse 12. If you want to see additional information regarding the Abrahamic covenant, then you can go to that document with that title under the topic section, 
Or if you're looking at this page on the website, you can click right here on the link entitled The Abrahamic Covenant. There is some interesting wording in verse 6 which causes us to entertain the notion that Keturah became one of Abraham's concubines prior to Sarah's death when it says, But unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son while he yet lived eastward into the east country. In the Hebrew, both sons and concubines are indeed plural. These six verses are thus understood by some to indicate that Abraham had taken other concubines, those are second-class wives, even while Sarah was still living. They maintain that Keturah was simply one of these concubines who gets special mention because of the number of her offspring. At 175, Abraham dies and is buried with Sarah by Isaac and Ishmael. Of particular note regarding Abraham's family through Keturah, Abraham's son Midian is generally accepted to be the father of the Midianites, among whom Moses found refuge after fleeing from Egypt. As a matter of fact, Moses married a Midianite. Regarding the other sons, speculation is made regarding the identity of their descendants, but Scripture does not address them specifically enough to be able to draw any reliable conclusions. Now, on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today's reading, I've uh, included a map which shows the places of note in this passage of Scripture. So you might be asking, whatever happened to Ishmael's boys? Well, beginning in chapter 25, verse 12, down through verse 18, we see an accounting of that. Now, these are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's handmaid, bare unto Abraham. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names, according to the generations. The firstborn of Ishmael, Nebajoth, and Kedar, and Abdael, and Mibsam, and Mishma, and Duma, and Masa, Hadar, and Tema, Jeter, Naphish, and Kadima. These are the sons of Ishmael. And these are their names by their towns and by their castles, twelve princes according to their nations. And these are the years of the life of Ishmael, an hundred and thirty and seven years. And he gave up the ghost and died, and was gathered into his people. And they dwelt from Havilah unto Shur, that is before Egypt, as thou goest toward Assyria. And he died in the presence of his brethren. Now, Ishmael's offspring went on to populate much of the Arabian Peninsula. Between the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Keturah, many of the Arab tribes were descendants of Abraham. God had spoken to Hagar before Ishmael was born concerning Ishmael in Genesis 16:12, And he said this, And he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. The descendants of Ishmael, the twelve princes according to their nations we see in verse 16, those twelve princes, the descendants, go on to plague Israel through much of their history. Ishmael gets no more mention in Genesis with the exception of, in Genesis chapter 28 verse 9, regarding one of his daughters marrying Esau. That was Isaac's grandson. All of our attention now turns to Abraham's seed line, and that's Isaac. In chapter 25, beginning with verse 19, we see that Rebekah has a really tough pregnancy. Verse 19, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. And Abraham begat Isaac. 
And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Paddan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over, like an hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. Well, at first, Rebekah is barren, but after Isaac prays, she becomes pregnant with twins, rambunctious twins, wrestling right there in the womb. Rebecca checks with God about this unusual activity going on inside her, only to find out from God that this would be the pattern for the boys, two nations struggling with each other. Verse 23. One more important aspect of that verse, seniority would become an issue as Rebecca is told, and this is important, the elder shall serve the younger. Look at the hair on that red baby. The folks might have said of Esau, verse 25. He was the first one of the twins to actually peek through. Hanging on to Esau's heel, immediately came Jacob. Well, that settles that Esau is the firstborn, if not but by just a few seconds. A couple of nicknames stick to these babies right from their birth. Esau became known as Seir, and his descendants are often known by that term. Seir is a slight variation from the Hebrew word for hair. Esau got another nickname based on his reddish color, Edom. That's based upon the Hebrew word for red. Incidentally, notice that Isaac was 60 years old when his two boys were born. He and Rebekah had, at this point, been married for 20 years. Now, in verses 27 to 34 of chapter 25, we see the issue of this birthright. It's no big deal. When you're hungry, Esau thought... Verse 27, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau, because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Well, we see in this passage that Isaac and Rebekah had their favorites. It's in verse 28. Isaac identified more with Esau, the big game hunter, while Rebekah preferred the calm domestic child, Jacob. One day Esau comes in from hunting. He's starving. Says he's about to die of hunger. 
Jacob had a big pot of red soup for which Esau agreed to trade his oldest son birthright to Jacob just for a serving. What a deal, Jacob thinks. No big deal, Esau reasons. Jacob makes Esau swear to this agreement. This decision could come back to haunt Esau. As a matter of fact, it will. It's important to understand here that Esau did, in fact, seal the deal on selling his birthright with an oath in this passage. That makes the eldest son birthright legally the property of Jacob now, not Esau. The deceit that Jacob and Rebekah engage in at the perceived end of Isaac's life in Genesis 27, to make it official, is just a formality. Jacob legally owned the birthright that Esau had in fact sold him. That deceit is obviously very distasteful to us, but it did not result in Jacob getting something that wasn't rightfully his anyway. One more thing. Verse 34 says, Esau despised his birthright. There's another important piece of relevant information here. That was God's word to Rebekah back in Genesis 25:23. In that word, he told her that, and I quote, the elder shall serve the younger. So actually, this soup episode simply confirms what had already been determined and previously stated. Incidentally, verse 30 does that play on words again between the Hebrew word for red and Esau's nickname, Edom. It's a Hebrew variation of the word for red. We first saw the red reference with regard to his skin tone at birth back up in verse 25. Then in Genesis chapter 26, we got that sister routine again. Verse 1, And there was a famine in the land, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went into Abimelech, king of the Philistines, into Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She's my sister, for he feared to say she's my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech king of the Philistines looked out a window, and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife, and how saidest thou she's my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is this thou hast done to us? One of the people might lightly have lion with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land, and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great, and went forward, and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks, and possessions of herds, and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. 
For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence, and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley, and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And they digged another well, and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sithna. And he removed from thence, and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the names of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. The Lord appeared unto him the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and will bless thee, and will multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built an altar there, and called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Then Abimelech went to him from Gerar, and Ahuzoth, one of his friends, and Phicol, the chief captain of his army. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee, that thou wilt do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace, thou art now the blessed of the Lord. And he made him a feast, and they did eat and drink. And they rose up betimes in the morning, and swear one to another, and Isaac sent them away. And they departed from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came, and told him concerning the well which they had digged, and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. And Esau was forty years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and Bashemoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Well, in this passage we'll see another famine. And Isaac heads south through Abimelech's land. It's deja vu all over again here. Remember, Abraham tried this back in Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 20. And again in Genesis chapter 20, God warns Isaac to stay out of Egypt, verse 2. And he reconfirms to him the territorial promises made to Abraham in verses 3 through 5. But just like his dad Abraham, Isaac tells the people there that Rebekah is his sister. It was a half-truth when Abraham introduced Sarah that way. But here it's an outright lie for Isaac regarding Rebekah. When Abimelech, probably the son of Abraham's contemporary, when he sees Isaac and Rebekah showing affection toward each other in a way that brothers and sisters aren't known for, he knows something's up. Abimelech rebukes Isaac for the deceit and makes a very interesting statement of the misidentification of Rebekah when he says in verse 10, one of the people might have lightly 
lying with thy wife. Do you mean without Rebecca's permission and so casually? Whoa, tough times, tough place to live, at least for a woman. After a confrontation, Isaac admits the truth about his relationship with Rebekah. Abimelech issues a decree to his people regarding the safety of Isaac and Rebekah while they were dwelling in that land, the land of the Philistines. Now, any fling with Rebekah by anyone other than Isaac will be his last fling forever. We see that in verse 11. Isaac prospered so much in the land of the Philistines here that Abimelech asked Isaac to take his possessions and just go. Isaac begins moving around, digging wells, and setting up housekeeping. After a couple of territorial disputes with the locals over discovered water, Isaac finally settles in Beersheba. In verse 24, God speaks to Isaac once again to reconfirm the promises originally given to his father, Abraham. After recognizing God's blessings upon Isaac, Abimelech uh, drops in on Isaac to make a treaty with him. This chapter ends with a disappointment for Isaac and Rebekah. The marriages of their son Esau to a local woman. Well, actually two local women. You'll recall that Rebekah and Isaac's folks were northerners. They were from up in Haran in Mesopotamia. Abraham had been very adamant with his instructions to the servant who was charged with finding a wife for Isaac when he commanded him in Genesis 24.3. He said this, Thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. If you're looking for a little bit more explanation on that issue, consult my notes on Genesis chapter 24. It would appear that Abraham understood this real estate promise from God to mean that he was not to mix his seed with the seed of the local Canaanites. Now Esau has married these local Canaanite women. It's difficult to know what Isaac and Rebekah are thinking at this point in time about the seed promise that had been passed from Abraham through Isaac in this passage. Rebekah certainly must have recalled the word from the Lord in Genesis 25:23, telling her that the elder shall serve the younger. We don't know whether or not she ever shared this information with Isaac. Perhaps at this point, Isaac and Rebekah are assuming that the seed promises that God had given to Abraham and had confirmed through Isaac in Genesis chapter 17 and Genesis chapter 21, perhaps those are to be fulfilled through their eldest son Esau. Or maybe Isaac was the only one thinking that, perhaps being unaware of the word from the Lord to Rebekah, or the issue of the sold birthright in Genesis chapter 25. That being the case, they probably viewed Esau's marriage to the locals as an act that would compromise those promises. Ultimately, however, it would be the younger, who was only younger by seconds, but it would be the younger son Jacob through whom these seed promises would be fulfilled. If you want more insight on that, see the notes on Genesis chapter 28. You'll see there that a reconfirmation was made of these promises through Jacob. Oh well, all's well that ends well. Now we're not finished with the Jacob Esau birthright saga. It continues on into chapter 27. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. 
The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.